are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Interview with a Nerd. My name is Richard Cardenas. I am your host. This is episode number 28, guys. Uh, yeah, how is everyone doing? I'm doing okay. There's not really too much to complain about. I'm actually um, pretty surprised at myself because this is a very, very busy week for me. I have plans every single night this week, which is not something that ever happens to me. Uh, as some of you may know, I uh, don't like going out very often, <laughs> but I decided that I needed to probably uh, do that, I guess. And it all started with an invite to go see 2001 A Space Odyssey. I've never seen it. And so I'm going to be doing that this week. Uh, one of my friends, uh, is, two of my friends were going to go, but one of them for whatever reason, got really busy and couldn't go anymore. So they're giving me that ticket. So now I'm going with uh with the friend that can go. So I'm pretty excited. I have no idea what this movie is, honestly, um, which is strange. I think everyone knows what this movie is, but I don't. Uh, so I'm excited to see it. Um, what else is going on? Oh, so um, I don't know if you all know this, but I live in L.A., uh, so L.A. things are easy for me to do, I suppose. Uh, but there is this bar here called Scum and Villainy, which is a Star Wars themed bar. Uh, it's the it's it's based off of, or it's modeled after the bar that's in um, A New Hope, I think. Yeah, the first one that came out. So it's modeled after that bar there. Um, and I guess typically they have people like in costumes and stuff. The bartenders there are dressed like a Han Solo type of thing. They have their, like, outfits. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. But anyway, <coughs> with them, they, sorry, uh, they, I guess, are now doing these themed Monday nights where they have all these board games available for people to play, and then they're, like, theming the night around different things. And this past Monday, it was themed after Deadpool. So I met up with uh, Kristen and Jennifer of Comadres y Comics, and we had some drinks and food and played some board games and it was a nice time. So anyway, got that going on. Um, I have just regular like friend stuff that I'm doing this week. And then I have like this music thing that I'm going to. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to be listening to music. I'm going to be making music. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm walking into. But that's happening later this week, too. So uh, I don't know. It's just been uh, a uh, what uh, it's a crazy week um that's that's happening for me right now uh yeah but uh how is everyone doing um obviously deadpool came out this past weekend and that's what this episode is going to be about we're uh talking about deadpool 2 but before we do that we've got some recaps and news for you uh like i always like to do so let's go ahead and get into the recap before we get into news so the book that I decided to do this week is uh, actually a graphic novel, and it is called Fairy God Brothers, and this is published by Adaptive Studios. Yes, Adaptive Studios. Okay, um, I don't even remember how I found out about this book. I think it was a recommendation on Amazon or something, but anyway, it sounded interesting, so I picked it up. Um this is written by Ken Christensen. Illustration is by M.K. Perker. 
And the letters are by Ali Schwed. I think that's how you pronounce that. S-H-W-E-D. Schwed? Shoed? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, one thing to know about this graphic novel is that it is um, black and white. So there's no color in this, in the art. And usually I'm not really, like, into that. But uh, the art's really good in this. And so I'm into it. <laughs> I don't mind it at all. Uh, I mean, I guess that's an aesthetic, you know, preference. I don't understand what it's doing for the book necessarily, but um, the art's good. So I, I guess I don't mind. Uh, anyway, let's get into it. Um, this one that I am recapping is actually uh, chapter two of the book. And I decided to do chapter two because the first chapter is more of a background story on the brothers as kids. We get to see that their father was uh, an ice cream shop owner and um, everything seems relatively like perfect for them. But then one day their father just kind of like died of a massive stroke. So uh, that's pretty much all we need to know about the first chapter. Um, it just basically kind of talked about how great their father was and how much of a hard worker he was and stuff like that. So, uh, I don't know. I felt like I could skip that one because this, uh, chapter two is the one that I really liked. Um, so anyway, uh, we open chapter two and it's probably like 15 or 20 years or so after the father's death, we see the younger brother, his name is Marcus, and we see him like drinking and doing drugs and sleeping around with all these different women while, um, like all the while his older brother Sean is narrating and he says this line at the beginning, sorry, at the end of the intro talking about Marcus, which is at father's funeral, Marcus overheard someone say that whatever killed his dad had gone undiagnosed. If only he'd had access to the drugs, they said, he'd be alive today. Marcus took that to heart, been medicating every minute of the day since. So we get a bit of Marcus's damage there in that moment. We know that clearly he didn't take the death of his father very well. And so now he's just been like this guy who's always drunk or always on drugs, just doing a lot of destructive things, having this destructive behavior. Uh, so then we cut to Sean calling Marcus on the phone. Um it seems that Marcus is on kind of a bender right now and Sean is pissed off. Turns out that the brothers inherited the ice cream shop and Sean's been running it uh, supposedly with Marcus, but Marcus hasn't really been helping out. Uh, so on this day, they are meeting with a man named Mr. Redstone. He's purchasing the ice cream shop and he's coming in to get contracts signed and Marcus isn't there, uh, but he's supposed to be because he's got to sign the paperwork. He's part owner. Um, Mr. Redstone's assistant has arrived early to basically prep the shop for Mr. Redstone's arrival. Uh, there are all these kids in the shop and the, assist the assistant is like bitching about it uh, to Sean saying that, you know, Mr. Redstone is a pedophobia, uh, pedophobic or he has pedophobia <laughs> and um, which is uh, this. They, this is the quote they put. It is extreme, irrational, unwarranted fear of children um, and Sean's like dude this is an ice cream shop also it's bring your kid to work day so I don't know uh, then his kid shows up and she's this little girl named Ming and um, I don't know I don't know if she's like adopted or if uh, um, her mother's Asian maybe but she looks like this little Asian girl 
um, and he is very much white. <laughs> so uh, her name is Ming, and she asks if she can go into his office to do some homework. And Sean's like, yeah, but also, can you take the kids with you? And she's kind of irritated by that idea because the whole point of her asking to go into the office is that she needs somewhere quiet to be, which defeats the purpose of having the other kids go with her. But nevertheless, he kind of like shoes her away and like demands that she do it. And so she ends up taking the kids with her. Uh, Marcus eventually shows up super high on something, cracking jokes, sarcastic. It, Sean is pretty livid at this point and like yells at Marcus saying, sign your name on the fucking contract. After that, I don't care what you do with the rest of your pathetic life. So yeah, <laughs> definitely some family tension there. Um, Mr. Redstone shows up and wants to get down to business like immediately. Marcus has other plans, though. Uh, he starts reading the contract over to make sure nothing has changed, even though it has already been read, which is what they've said. Like, yesterday you read the contract. Why are you doing this? Um, so now he's kind of just bothering Sean and Mr. Redstone, and they're both pissed. Uh, so we cut back to the office, or rather we cut to the office where Ming and the other kids are at. And the kids are all, you know, being loud and rambunctious and Ming is not having it. Uh, but some of the kids start climbing on this old like grandfather cuckoo clock thing. And one of the kids accidentally pulls off two figurines and Ming is pissed. But she's distracted because one of the kids points out that there's something written on one of the finger on the one of the figurines uh, in German. And apparently Ming knows German because <laughs> she starts reading it out loud. And then the figurines start to glow. Um, after that, we cut back to the adults and Marcus is still reading through the contract, pointing out all these um, things that have apparently already been discussed and agreed to. Uh, he's particularly hurt by a section that says that he's going to get a lump sum and basically no longer work there or have anything to do with the company. But Sean, on the other hand, will be working as president for a minimum of 18 consecutive months. Uh, after learning that, Marcus, I think, is just like, fine, fuck it, whatever. And he signs the contract, and Mr. Redstone gets up to leave. And uh, the contracts are being put into a briefcase, and then the assistant handcuffs the briefcase to Mr. Redstone's wrist. And and then in this in this panel... He uh, he says like, what 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 does he say? Let me let me look into it. Oh, he doesn't say anything. He just looks like super surprised, and he's like, "What is going on?" Uh, and this one confused me because I feel like he knew about the handcuffs and the briefcase because they've been there. But on the next panel, you see that he and the assistant are glowing. And so it's like, I guess that's what he's talking about. But that wasn't in the panel where he said that. So I don't know. It was confusing. I guess it's neither here nor there. <laughs> but um, anyway, they're frozen and the brothers are like getting super confused. They're freaking out. But then they begin to glow, too. And the next thing you know, they're being whisked away through the office where Ming and the kids are. And they're all frozen as well. Uh, the brothers end up passing right by them, and there's this final narration of what Ming read, which goes, read this parchment like brothers of yore, and be ushered through this unearthly door. And Marcus and Sean are sent into the grandfather cuckoo clock thing. And that's how that chapter ends. Uh, so yeah, 
uh, I really like this book so far. Um, I just finished chapter three where they're actually in this like fairy tale land and they don't really know what's going on. Um, but I like the humor of the book. Uh, I like Marcus, even though he's very destructive as a person. He, he, he you know, is on drugs and, and uh, drunk all the time, which is not someone that you really want to be around. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying this book so far. Like I said, it's in black and white, but I actually really, really like the art. So it doesn't really bug me all that much. Um, yeah, so that is the recap for chapter two of Fairy Godbrothers. Um, I don't remember how much I paid for it, but it was relatively cheap and it's a uh, hardback as well. Um, I don't think that they do paperback and I'm not sure if it's uh, sold digitally. It probably is. But anyway, uh, really enjoy that. So pick it up if it sounds interesting to you. I enjoyed it. Um, well, I'm not done with it. I'm enjoying it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so now let's get into some news. Uh, so I guess I'll get this one. I'll talk about this one at the top. Um, recently, uh, last week, Margot Kidder passed away and, um, a lot of people know her as their definitive Lois Lane. She was Lois Lane for, um, basically all of the Christopher Reeve, uh, Superman movies, and um, she's done so much more than just that as well. I mean, she was in the Amityville Horror uh, original movie, which I loved her in. And uh, she's been in a few other things that I can't think of right now because it's just going off the top of my head. But uh, I mean, not only was she that person, uh, she was also an activist. Um, most recently, she was uh, at the White House protesting against the the, the Dakota Access Pipeline situation. Um, you know, they're drilling there and everything. And so she was protesting that and being arrested. Uh, so uh, she really cared about what was going on in the world and stuff. And uh, I know that she really struggled with some mental health issues. Uh, so uh, her, she kind of reminds me a bit of um, Fish, uh, Carrie Fisher in, in that way. Uh, so she passed away. It's a sad thing. She was 69 years old. And um, I don't I wouldn't say 69 is living a full life. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we we can live so much longer and still have very fulfilling lives after 69. Um, but uh, I think I hope that she was able to do everything that she wanted to do. Um, she was an outstanding woman. And so, you know, yeah, uh, rest in peace, Margot Kidder. Um, there is some other news that I wanted to talk about. Uh, so recently it was announced that Jake Gyllenhaal is in the talks, in talks with Marvel to be in the next Spider-Man film, uh, as Mysterio. And so that's quite interesting. I'm actually very intrigued to see that, uh, if it were to happen, because I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal is one of those people who can really, um, not disappear, but really uh, uh, become the character that he's portraying on screen. Um, I haven't seen him in like too many things, but what I have seen him in has been kind of transformative <laughs> for him uh, as far as character goes. Um, and and I feel like this would be a very interesting one to do because Mysterio and I don't I mean, I, I, I know him from uh, like the cartoons and a little bit of the comic book stuff, but what I've known from him is that he's this kind of like 
he chews scenery and he's he's just that kind of a person um he's very dramatic <laughs> and stuff and and i would love to see jake gyllenhaal do that on screen i think that would are as mysterio i think that would be quite interesting and uh the other thing that we found out is that uh michael keaton will be returning for the sequel so ooh, uh you know at the end of uh, homecoming we kind of saw the beginnings of the sinister six and so you know this could be something that's really super leading into that which is nice uh but the surprising thing is and i talked about this during the interview a little bit but uh apparently the sequel is coming out just a couple months after avengers 4 which is crazy like i can't believe we just had spider-man last year right and and now like Two years later, we're getting the sequel. Like, I don't know. To me, that sounds like so crazy. <coughs> I'm for it, but it's just, I don't know. It's so crazy. <laughs> that's that's the word I'm going to use. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Are you guys excited to see a Jake Gyllenhaal in a Spider-Man movie as Mysterio? That's uh, blows my mind. <laughs> anyway, um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, it's not really news, but I did want to talk about uh, the final issue of all new Wolverine. And I'm not going to go into detail about what happened in the issue. Just kind of pay my respects to uh, Tom Taylor and, and the art team on that and everything, because uh, all new Wolverine ended with issue number 35. I think, I don't, I think it was released last week. And um, this was my favorite comic book to read. This was my favorite series to read. And I, you all know if you've listened to this show that I love Tom Taylor's writing. I just feel like he really understands characters. Um, but even more than that, he understands female characters, or at least he writes them very powerfully. And I don't just mean that he like overpowers them and makes them the winners of everything. Like it's not about that. Um, he just really knows how to write people and and give people good character moments and good character stories um character stories <laughs> he just he he really knows how to uh use emotions um effectively in his writing and i don't ever feel like it's manipulative i feel like he's done amazing work with with laura especially because throughout the series, she's really coming into her own as a hero. You know, she started off as an assassin raised um, in a sort of Weapon X type of program where she was a baby raised to be a killer. And, and she was like supposed to be the first of many to be raised this way. And they were basically going to sell her off to, you know, the highest bidder um, to basically be owned and and used for assassinations and stuff. And uh, it took her a very long time to get to the point where she's at. She's had a lot of heartache and and trouble with people just, you know, accepting her and, and giving her a chance. And this book really gave that to her. Uh, she was able to get closure with a lot of stuff with her mother, um, with having um, clones of her own, um, she didn't necessarily. She, I think, by the end of the series, she does get closure. But it's so sad to say goodbye uh, to Tom Taylor on this book because I just loved what he did. And we're getting um, Mariko Tamaki. I think we've talked about this before, but we're getting her on the next series, which is X twenty three, which I'm really sad about. But yeah, whatever. What can you do? 
So I just wanted to talk about that for a little bit because it was a fucking fantastic series. And especially the generations uh, issue where Laura goes back in time and has a little adventure with um, Logan, her her father. And um, it's a uh, it's a it's a heartbreaker. That issue <laughs> made me really, really cry. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens after that, though, um, with Wolverine coming back, being resurrected and everything. I wonder if they'll address that moment, because I think I don't know if it's supposed to be like a canon canonical moment, but it seems that it is. So I, I wonder if he'll address it when he sees her next. Um, anyway, I yeah. So great run, Tom Taylor. He's still writing other stuff. He's writing X-Men Red right now, which I think he's killing it on. They've had so many reprints of of issues of that. And uh, I love it. They just announced recently that Storm is officially going to be part of the X-Men Red team, which means that I guess she's not going to be on the gold team anymore, uh, which is interesting. I'm, I'm, they're really moving stuff around right now. Uh, as far as the X-Men go, there's a lot going on with them. And they have a lot of books out, too, uh, which is crazy. Especially considering just a few years ago, everyone was complaining about how Marvel was killing the X-Men and they're no longer going to do X-Men comics, um, which I was never worried about, but mm, whatever. Uh, So, yeah, Uh, I think that's going to be it for news. Oh, 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 I have one more thing, which I want to talk about. Uh, Arrowverse, they just announced that in the next crossover, they're introducing Batwoman and that's crazy like i never really thought that they'd be introducing batman characters uh into the arrowverse but they're doing it they're gonna go for it and they're doing it with uh batwoman which i think is completely um doable because she kind of is her own solo hero i mean she does right now or i don't know i'm not caught up but in the rebirth detective comics stuff she is kind of like the team leader i mean there's batman who's the team leader but she's kind of like taking command of a lot of stuff and um so she's really leading them and i i enjoy batwoman kate uh i forget her last name (laughs) um uh i do enjoy her uh i didn't really care for the solo series and it's ending now i think with issue number 18 which is you know too bad but i don't know i dropped the series after the first uh story arc I don't know. I just couldn't get into it as much. But anyway, they're introducing her into the Arrowverse. And it, it makes me a little upset because I had just recently decided I was no longer going to continue with Arrow because it's just... And even maybe The Flash. I feel like Supergirl is the only one that I'm interested in continuing. Um, I just feel like they keep recycling the same stuff over and over again. Um, Arrow is always like let's pretend we're going to be optimistic for a little bit because life is good, but then we're going to completely not let you have a good life and everything's going to be so depressing and so dark. And it's like, okay, like we've been doing this for what, six, seven years now. Uh, I'm over it. Uh, The Flash keeps doing the same. I think the problem is, is the villain issue is that the Flash especially has this issue where they have a villain that they keep around for the entire series and they don't they move so slowly like the story just moves so slow and which is ironic because it's called the flash but um it's so it's just um i can't i can't do it for very much longer 
Uh, and hearing that Bat- uh, Batwoman's going to be introduced into the Arrowverse makes me want to like continue watching them. But I'll probably just catch the crossover because I think that I will stick with Supergirl because it is mm, the the better of them all for me personally. Uh, I am enjoying that one more than the others. So yeah, eh, whatever. But yay, Batwoman. <laughs> all right. So now we're going to go on to the interview. So we have Wits and Gordon here. We're going to review uh, Deadpool 2, which just came out this past weekend, which uh, broke some records. I think it's the highest uh, grossing opening weekend for an R-rated film or something like that. So that's wonderful for them. Um yeah, this movie was fucking hilarious, and we'll talk all about it. We don't really get into, like, too many things. I think we, like, jumped around a lot. And then at the end, we talked a lot about the MCU and Avengers. So, oops. <laughs> but uh, but bottom line is this movie is, is, is great, and we talk a lot about uh, the characters and stuff. So uh, here is the interview with Whitson Gordon. Yay! <laughs> Okay, I am here with Whitson Gordon. How are you doing, Whitson? I'm good. How are you doing, Richard? I'm doing pretty okay. This week has been okay to me, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like to ask what uh what what my what my guests have been up to. What what have you been loving recently? Oh man, I it, it's been kind of a busy couple months for me. Uh um because I'm I'm now freelance, so I have like a bunch of new jobs, and I've just been so busy. I barely have any time for like TV or comic books or anything like that. Oh no! Um, what I have been doing lately, I feel, is is I've been like kind of building a lot of stuff. I'm basically redoing my entire office. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm building a new desk right now. It's oh. going to be this really big, like eighty inch long desk to fit all my stuff. I'm making it out of a door. Oh, wow. um, I'm building a server rack out of Ikea tables for my home server. And I just rebuilt my home server as well. So it can get racked in. Um, yeah, I'm really like rebuilding everything. So I'm just kind of like, I haven't really had a moment to rest, but I've been getting my hands dirty, which has been fun. Are you building this? Like, is this your own design or did you see this online somewhere that you're taking? No, most of these are, are online. I mean, the door as desk thing is, is a tale as old as time. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I've kind of modified it a little bit for like better ergonomics and um, um, uh, making sure that it doesn't sag and just like some problems I realized other people were having and I looked into how to fix them myself. So it's kind of like an improved version of this. Mm. And the server rack thing is is has has also been going on uh, on the internet for a while. It's like apparently this IKEA end table is the exact correct width for rackable server stuff like those big network switches and big server chassis mm. and so instead of buying this like hundreds of dollars network rack you can just buy two of these ikea tables for like 10 20 bucks stack them on top of each other and slide all your rackable gear in it's oh, pretty wow. cool yeah and i'm improving on that a little bit too i'm hoping to get some articles out of both of these so okay we'll yeah that's what i was going to ask you if you were going <laughs> to end up writing something a little bit more comprehensive the desk one should be written up pretty soon. I'm not sure if anyone's gonna, if any of my clients are gonna be interested in the server rack one, but we'll see. Ah, that's cool. What I learned about you recently is that you, you, not that it's a bad thing or anything, but that you love a bargain. Yes, yes, <laughs> I do. Possibly too much, possibly to a fault. There's a certain point, especially now that I'm a freelancer, it's like, okay. <laughs> how how much is this bargain really worth my time? If I feel like like so, I'm picking up these IKEA tables, right? Uh-huh. I could go to IKEA and I could grab three of them, 
But tomorrow I'm picking some up from like Craigslist and I'm like driving to two different people's houses to pick them up. And so it's kind of like, okay, if these tables are only like 10 to $15 at Ikea and I'm getting them for like five, how much longer is it going to take me? And is it going to be worth my time? Because that's time I could have spent at home writing articles. Like I'll actually <laughs> make more money doing that. It's uh-huh. not like when you're a salaried worker, like every moment I spend not working is time that I could have spent making money. Yeah, you and Adam Which is a terrible have terrible mindset to have sometimes. Yeah, you and Adam have like that exact same mindset. He is the same way. Like he doesn't want to do any like and it even comes down to like video games for him cuz he enjoys playing video games, but he can depending on what kind of video game it is, he gets re- very like engulfed in it and then he gets really upset because he's like I played video games for 2 hours when I could have been working. <laughs> I mean, it helps to kind of set work hours in the day and having a kid has definitely kind of helped with this so you know i i don't generally do work after like dinner time Uh i actually generally don't do work after like 3 or 4 p.m oh wow and 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 that and that helps but it's still like i'm still constantly battling this like oh if i just take on more jobs i can make more money versus this like um you've been working too much and you're super stressed out and you need to stop (laughs) (laughs) right yeah, yeah, no, uh, Adam needs to take a page out of your book for sure. <laughs> he really does, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, I uh, that sounds very exciting. I myself uh, am afraid of manual labor and building things um, <laughs> because I just, I get to this point where I'm like in the middle of doing something and then I'm like, why am I still doing this? And like, I end up kind of like half-assing it. So it's like starts off really good, but then it just like, ends up not that great. <laughs> oh, is... I've done that before. And I, I almost always hit snags too. Like I've already hit a snag with this door thing. I've had to return the door that I got oh, and no. go get another one because I realized like halfway through the project that the door had mold damage. Oh no. When I bought it and I just didn't really realize it. Mm. And so like, yeah, you hit a lot of snags and a lot, and like, especially when you're first starting out with the DIY kind of stuff, like I am, I think you end up like I did this desk because it was going to be so much cheaper than buying one. And after it's done, it'll probably still be cheaper, but I don't think it's going to be quite as cheap as I expected. <laughs> I've had to like, oh, I had to like kind of scramble to, to saw to get someone to saw this because I had an article due, and oh, I needed like more materials than I thought I did because I didn't own a paintbrush, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like uh, at the end of it, do you feel like you're usually feeling accomplished, like you did something, or do you feel like, oh, I should have just bought this? Uh. It's about 50-50. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't know about 50-50, but sometimes I feel, I, I think I often feel very accomplished, but during the process, I'm just like, this is stupid. I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that feeling. I think I have that more than anything whenever I'm trying to do anything myself. Yeah, and it's still like, I've had I've had some variation of this home server for like, five to 10 years now mm-hmm. and I still have it and I've rebuilt it once or twice. And I still know in my mind that I probably would have been better off just buying a more expensive one off the shelf with how much time and energy and blood and tears I've dumped into this <laughs> stupid thing that just like doesn't work half the time, but I still persist mm-hmm. for having something that I built myself instead of an off the shelf solution. Yeah. No, I mean, good for you. <laughs> and I guess in, in my line of work, I get articles out of it. So, it, you know, I put a lot of hours into it, but I usually get something from it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, then, then then it's worth it. <laughs> I mean, 
theory, maybe, sometimes. <laughs> um okay cool well uh yeah i don't have anything i'm loving quite at this moment um nothing that i can really think of although i do have a usually at the end of my show i i do a recommendation i guess i could talk about that here um there's this show that's on um i think true tv or something or pop tv it's called Shit's creek um it is one of the heard of that it's one of the funniest shows i think i've ever seen um it it has uh Eugene Levy in it and uh um I'm gonna... Eugene Levy he hasn't been in anything in a hot minute yeah and and also um is her name Catherine O'Hara is it Catherine I don't know who that is um she was the mother in Beetlejuice and she was the mother in um uh, Home Alone um she's been in a ton of stuff she was the voice of Sally from um Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, anyway, like they used to do this improv uh, show based out of Canada. I think it was called like CCTV or something like that. Um, anyway, so it's them two. They play a couple and uh, they're this like super, super posh, rich couple who have two kids who are adults. And um, the the show begins with them like getting all their stuff repossessed and they have to move to this like hole in the wall town that uh, the father purchased as a joke. <laughs> oh my god as a as a birthday present joke to his son and so they have to like move into this town and they're basically living in what they would consider like poverty and so it's just like seeing them through their like adventures of not having money but like still wanting to be that person it's so right. ridiculous <laughs> it sounds like a good premise for a show oh it is so good and like eugene levy's son and daughter are both in it as well um so it's like this whole like family thing uh yeah it's it's really good. So if you get the chance to see it, uh, I think the first three seasons are on Netflix right now. So okay, uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, let's get into uh, the review of Deadpool. Um, yes, Deadpool two. Yeah. Okay. So, what were your expectations going into it, or did you have any? So I did have ex. So I I think we might have talked about this on our previous Deadpool episode that we did like you know a couple of years ago. Uh huh. I enjoyed the first Deadpool movie. Um, and I, I've been a fan of Deadpool for quite a few years. And, uh, but the one thing I didn't like about the first movie was that they spent the entire, they spent like half of the movie, uh, on his origin, mm-hmm. not before he was Deadpool, just on him and his relationship with Vanessa, um, w- which I wasn't a huge fan of. I just wanted like Deadpool hijinks for two hours, <laughs> right? Like the crazy, like over the top action and violence and, and funny stuff. Mm-hmm. And there just wasn't a- enough of that in for what was a pretty short movie to begin with, if I recall. Right. So I had expectations that even from the moment I walked out of Deadpool 1, I was like, okay, that was good, but Deadpool 2 is going to be even better because they're not going to have to waste time on all that origin crap. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I feel like it delivered on that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I kind of didn't really have any expectations. Um, I had seen little things here and there of differing opinions some people saying that it wasn't good and some people saying it was like super hilarious and stuff like that so i was just kind of like well you when can you really trust people on the internet yeah i almost (laughs) never read reviews or try to listen to people's opinions before i go in and see something yeah so i was just it's hard to avoid but so i have bits and pieces there but i tried to avoid it yeah yeah so i was kind of just like not sure but um i was very very happy with how it all turned out um it was surprisingly hilarious uh for being the sequel 
I didn't know that they, or I didn't, I wasn't sure if they'd be able to carry that momentum that they had from the first one, but I feel like they really did. Oh yeah, I think I think they still had a lot of it in them. Although I think that it was probably around as funny as the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was that much funnier, but because I think because they had the budget to do more really awesome kind of over the top action, mm-hmm. the fight scenes and the action scenes were awesome. Oh yeah. So good and so much more. I mean, they obviously had more money to put into it than the last one. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of unexpectedly the the big Thing that made this movie better than the first i thought mm-hmm. oh yeah for sure um and, and and oh god the choreography for the fight scenes were was so good it was fantastic I, I especially loved um and i don't think that i expected it but uh i loved the the at the end the deadpool and cable team up fight yes that was so good like it just that- felt so cohesive and like so beautiful oh. to watch <laughs> The whole that whole fight then even the juggernaut versus colossus fight uh-huh. which i was kind of like really we're doing juggernaut again <laughs> i was like no that the fight with juggernaut and colossus was awesome and the cable and deadpool uh, uh team up was awesome yeah and oh my gosh i think domino was my favorite character in the movie though oh she was so charming so every, funny like every shot she was in was just like perfect oh yeah but she just so much charisma like <laughs> everything about yeah, her was I'm just perfection sure, like it's it's been a little while. I'm not sure if she really encapsulated the 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 kind of uh, uh, personality that Domino had in the comics. Mm-hmm. It felt like a very different Domino, but it worked really well in the movie. Yeah, and I feel like in some way none of the characters really encapsulate their comic book versions um, that's, fully. That's true. <laughs> Cable is a bit was like a bit more wisecracky mm-hmm. in like a serious way still, and Deadpool. I mean. The whole tone of the movie is a little bit different than the Deadpool comics. And someone asked me this when I showed them Deadpool for the first time, where they're like, are the comics the same as that? Is it, like, funny? Is it, like, raunchy like that? And I'm like, yeah, well, it's funny, but it's not, like, there's no swearing whatsoever. Mm-hmm. There, the, the few, like, kind of sex jokes that there are are all, like, innuendo and not, like, nearly as overt. Mm-hmm. So in that way, like, the tone and the type of humor in the Deadpool movies is actually pretty different than what's in the comics, at least kind of historically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it but it works. Right. Yeah, I've always felt that um, in, in his solo series, I read uh, probably, like, the first volume of his solo series, and I felt like he Joe was... Joe Kelly run? I think so. I think, was it called, like, something about the circle? Oh, the circle chase. Yes, I think so that's no, the no, one no. I read. That was that was way earlier. That was like his first like little limited series. That mm. just like four issue run. Yeah, and that even that Deadpool is to me very very different than the Deadpool we had later on in the '90s when he actually got his first ongoing solo series. Uh huh. Yeah. So the the exposure that I have to him is that plus what he did in the uh, Uncanny Avengers run. Um. So I I don't feel I like I haven't read that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I liked him in it. Like, I really, really enjoyed him in That's it because more typical modern Deadpool. Mm, he, he yeah, felt more uh silly. He's very so. Yeah, so it started. Deadpool started off as a kind of a villain mm-hmm. for New Mutants, and um, kind of over time became this kind of like villain becomes anti-hero becomes sort of hero becomes hero, um, as he got more popular. And so the Circle Chase, which was like his first ever solo appearance, was this four-issue limited series where it was kind of like he was still kind of a bit of a villain then, sort of, or they were like just kind of starting to break him out of that role, I think. Mm-hmm. 
and then it, but it wasn't nearly as silly it was kind of serious and more like action oriented yeah but then if you go to his first solo ongoing series there were two limited series the circle chase and another one that was just called deadpool and then his first ongoing series uh which was started 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 being written by joe kelly it's much sillier and way more fun and kind of is what what grew into the Deadpool that we know today. And, and in my opinion, if you want to read anything Deadpool, and I probably said this the last time we talked about this, <laughs> the Joe Kelly run um, for the for, it's like the first 50 issues or something of Deadpool's solo series from 93 or 94, whenever that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Cable and Deadpool, the okay. 50 issues of Cable and Deadpool, which in my opinion is still the best Deadpool run ever. Um, I would highly recommend reading those two runs. And that is like... That is, in my opinion, the best version of Deadpool that's ever existed in the comics, mm. and it is, and it's just very silly. It's different than the movie in in terms of the kind of humor, but I think it's perfect. Yeah, um, that I uh, I really enjoy Deadpool as kind of like a side character <laughs> because of what I read in his Circle Chase. So if if they're that much different, then um, I will definitely check out the Joe Kelly run. Um, because that's kind of more of what I was looking for, I think. And then when I read the circle chase, I was like, oh, this is not that. (laughs) Yeah. When I went back and read the circle chase, I was like, hmm, this is different than what I read in Cable and Deadpool. And then I got to his solo series and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. (laughs) Um, He just like, he's evolved a lot over time. mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like, okay, so going back to the movie, one of the things that I really liked about Deadpool is that he is this like raunchy character that kind of feels like he acts like nothing is a big deal, but everything kind of, not everything, but a lot is kind of a big deal to him. You know, we had him and Vanessa, that whole situation where, you know, she's killed off and he's mourning and he's like at this point where he Which, tries to say, kill I'm himself. I'm really glad they did that. Yeah, I actually did because enjoy I, the fact that they did my, that. One of my biggest annoyances and i think i talked about this too is that the, at the end of the first movie is so like happy and like the thing about deadpool is that like he doesn't get a happy ending he's kind of always a little bit miserable and i think that's an important part of the character mm-hmm. so i was glad that that's how they kind of kicked off the movie yeah yeah um i like that and one of the things that i realized was that deadpool does kind of go to the extreme with his emotions um like in the first yeah. film i don't think i noticed it that much i don't know if they like portrayed it that much but it just seemed you know just like a funny crazy action film but this one i felt like i really could see that he goes to the extremes with his emotions because he's like i'm gonna kill myself to be with vanessa <laughs> like yeah like I, I think a lot of people maybe in that situation would be like how do i live without the person i love but he's like eh, i'm done <laughs> right well and and so there are a few things to that one i think in any sequel it's easier to like actually kind of dig into character development mm-hmm. because you're not dealing with this whole origin thing you're trying to tell at the same time but that's i that is part of deadpool's character I, I, everything you just said i think um one of the things that they kind of explain a, a little bit in the comics is that he is like not really all there mm-hmm. as a result of his healing factor and the cancer kind of battling out his like cellular structure is constantly in flux and thus his like he's a little wobbly in the brain pan right, right? like he was always kind of a weirdo but like he's legit got some problems <laughs> and his he his emotions did generally run high but also that yeah he does try to act like he doesn't care about anything even though like 
especially over time as you see him grow into a little bit more a little bit more heroic over the decades he starts to care more and more and he starts to admit to himself that he cares more and more mm-hmm. and that he's willing to do the right thing instead of just like murder and kill and and look out for himself mm-hmm. um and there's still always that aspect of I'm a mercenary I don't, I, you know I'll kill people whatever but it's uh yeah he he definitely there, there is that battle of trying to act like he doesn't care with knowing that he does. And I think that they portrayed that well in this movie. Yeah. One of the moments that like really, really touched me is when, you know, he uh, is an X-Men trainee and uh, he, <laughs> that was a good, it thing. was so good. Um, he goes out with the X-Men because, you know, the little kid fire fist, <laughs> as he calls himself, um, <laughs> I think what's his name, Russell or something. Yeah. Um, so the little kid, you know, he's doing that whole situation where, you know, we have the cops and everything all coming to like try to settle the situation down. And he goes over to to try to help out. And he like notices that the kids got marks on his necks and stuff. And he like bends down to him and is like, are they hurting you? And like that was the moment where I was like, oh, oh, poor Deadpool. You care. <laughs> right. But also, I mean, because, you know, like he knows, too. Right. Like he grew up in a not very mm-hmm. good household. So it's one of those things that like, even if he tries not to recognize that, like it's going to eat away at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, And like, it, it was kind of like another example of him just going to the extreme with, with how he felt in that moment. He just straight up kills <laughs> some of the, the orderlies yeah. that were working there because he's like, Oh, they were okay. Bam, bam, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I love that they brought back Negasonic Teenage Warhead mm-hmm. and, and had, had her girlfriend who was like the complete opposite of her. <laughs> she was also, so I, I, didn't, I didn't really realize this until I saw a lot of writing about it today, but supposedly they are like the first kind of openly gay couple in superhero movies, in like mainstream superhero movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of crazy to me that we have not seen that yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've noticed <laughs> because that's my uh, yeah. world. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I was really happy the way they handled it. I was reading. Um, it was handled really well. Yeah, was, I was this reading this kind of like it was just an aside. It was just part of their character, and there was like one joke lobbed about it, but not like an insensitive uh-huh. one, and that was it. It was just kind of treated as normal. Yeah, yeah, and I really like that. I was reading this thing where uh, I think it was an interview with um, the actress. I think her name is Brianna um hildebrand or something um she was saying that uh ryan reynolds called her up and was like hey i have this idea i want you to have a girlfriend in the next film or whatever and she was like i'm down for it as long as we don't make it a big deal like i don't want to turn it into like a caricature of of a gay couple or anything like that um like i want it to be something that's there but isn't like always pointed at and so they're like deal and and this is what we got and i thought it was perfect it was and it's it's crazy that that a movie as crazy and weird as Deadpool was the one that did it and handled it with oddly maturity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? Like you'd think that one of the other MCU movies would have done it by now, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they definitely had their opportunity like with Black Panther because there are some queer people in the Dora Milaje, but they didn't take That's advantage true. of there that. That's true. There were deleted scenes from Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok. Mm. that dealt with uh lgbt people that were that were cut from the movies yeah yeah like in thor with uh valkyrie too yeah yep um yep so i i'm glad that that they did it i feel like other movies will probably have to like take note of it eventually hopefully um yeah. but i yeah they they handled it so well 
Um, one, of, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, how did you feel about Black Tom Cassidy? I thought it would have been really cool if we got to see more of him. Mm-hmm. You know, like it kind of, I like, I was kind of excited about it. I thought maybe something was going to happen with him in this movie, or maybe they'd be teasing him as like a potential villain or character for a future movie. But he was just kind of there as a guy with dreads, and then they killed him off. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh well, that was kind of disappointing. Like, yeah, like you're just having it there for like a half-assed fan service. I don't know. I thought it could have been cooler, but whatever. It's yeah. not like they're gonna be that Deadpool movies. If they, if Fox doesn't want to have Black Tom Cassidy, then they just wanted to do him as a throwaway, and that's what they're gonna do. Yeah, um, I was a little it's dis- better than not having him at all, I guess. I yeah, I mean, I guess um, I was a little disappointed because in the comics, he and Juggernaut are like best bros for life. <laughs> yeah, I thought that they were going to play that up a little bit, but they didn't touch that whatsoever, which is fine. But uh, I was I was a little disappointed with the way he went out and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. But, you know, they can't do everything, I suppose. Right. I was shocked that I was shocked that. Uh, uh, how little the X Force uh, <laughs> was actually in the movie. <laughs> it was it was sad, disappointing, but also kind of perfect, <laughs> right? Like Terry, I was like they got like Terry Crews, and, and he was in it for like thirty seconds. <laughs> no, so sad. Um, that whole thing was just so funny. I love the way that Deadpool kind of pokes fun at all the tropes that movies do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, doing the whole, like, montage of getting this team together just to, like, kill them off in the very next scene. Everyone except Domino, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, like, in, like, hilarious ways, though. Like, that was a really good scene. Yeah. And I loved that Shatterstar was there and was like, I'm from the Mojoverse. And they are like, huh? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love that they were just, like, hating on him, too. They're like, Shatterstar, that guy's annoying. No one <laughs> <laughs> so good uh it's kind of weird because there were so many articles before the before the uh the movie came out s- talking about the different characters and everything and it made it sound like these people were gonna have so much more to do like they kept talking about how Shatterstar was like the first pansexual superhero on screen and all this stuff and like like they kept giving so much weight to this this x-force that they built but then they weren't even in the film i know well that's because they were really heavily advertised right like in the in the second trailer or whatever like it was all about x-force and so you expected it to be this huge part of the movie uh-huh. and of course the people writing these articles don't know that it isn't yeah so they're just like trying to get stuff out that'll get clicks that are that, that is connected to the movie and so they're doing kind of these retrospectives on these characters that don't end up actually having that big of a role <laughs> yeah yeah um one of my one of my favorite characters was the vanisher <laughs> yes i was shocked i didn't realize like when they had that joke, they're like, maybe he's here. I don't know. I I just assumed that the joke was going to be that Vanisher doesn't exist. Right. And that they just put an empty parachute in the thing and that it was going to fall out of the, like, just fall out of the plane and hit the ground. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it was an actual character. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was Brad Pitt the whole time. <laughs> Wait, it was Brad Pitt? Yeah. I thought it was someone that looked familiar, but I, I, I was only on the screen the screen for like a couple of frames so i didn't realize that's who it was oh my gosh (laughs) amazing they had a couple cameos um the other one was uh the the truckers where uh cable like came into our timeline um the truckers that were there one of them was uh matt damon and the other one was alan tudyk no way yeah i did not catch either of those I know I didn't notice it either until I saw the credits, and I was like, "Well, I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> didn't Matt Damon just have a cameo in in Thor Ragnarok too? Yes. I remember that wrong. 
Yeah, that's so random. <laughs> now he's got to do one for DC. Oh. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> um, I can't believe I didn't recognize Alan Tudyk. Oh yeah, the, the, this movie is so ridiculous. Um, speaking of like the tropes, one of my favorite tropes that they did was when um, Deadpool, after he's been ripped in half <laughs> by, I believe the fantastic. Juggernaut, so good, and they you see him at the uh, at Blind Al's apartment with um domino and a few of the other people and he's talking all this shit about cable <laughs> he says oh he's right he's behind you right isn't behind he you. <laughs> <laughs> which is like so ridiculous it was great oh my gosh cable was so cool first of all can i just say i so uh, i saw infinity war a couple weeks ago uh-huh. saw deadpool 2 last night and then at the Deadpool 2 screening, there was a trailer for another movie that Josh Brolin is in that's coming out next month. How is this guy in three <laughs> movies at the same time? Wait, which movie is that? I don't know. It's some movie about, like, drug cartels in Mexico. I don't oh. know. Oh, it's the new Sicario. Oh. It's like a Sicario sequel or something. Wow, he's really getting out there. Right? I'm like, did he just, was he like, oh, you got to get super ripped for this Deadpool movie. And he's like, well, if I have to get ripped i might as well just do three movies and knock them all out at once <laughs> yeah then i can go back to sitting on the couch or whatever that's what i would do if i were an actor yeah um <laughs> i was i was actually really uh uh surprised by how much i enjoyed cable in this because in the trailers i felt like he didn't really fit <laughs> in um it just seemed weird to me but then watching it in the movie like it was just great yeah the trailers just didn't really do a good job of like portraying the balance of the movie in terms of which characters we're actually going to like we were talking about with x-force right like mm-hmm. it's just i think it was a kind of a hard movie to do a trailer for because it did feel a little bit disjointed like there's this whole kind of like there's this plot with cable who's kind of the villain cable and russell is like the main conflict but then mm-hmm. you also have this whole thing with uh uh vanessa kind of happening that's mm-hmm. like intertwined with that but i felt like it didn't necessarily need to be except that they were like oh we have this character that we have to use somehow now because we had her in the first movie um so it's just like it was it felt a little disjointed but so it's hard to movie to make a trailer for is all i'm saying yeah yeah um speaking of vanessa um i heard that uh she wanted to do the film but she there was like scheduling conflict so they couldn't really use her very much and oh, is so, that why? Yeah, they, so there that's why she was in it so little and why she no, was just kind of like sitting on a chair. Was, the whole I kind of wish it was for the reason that I wanted, which was that she doesn't belong there at all. <laughs> Not because I don't like um um Marina Baccarin or anything, just I I don't I I want Deadpool to be single. I want him to not have a girlfriend that just is like to me that's an important part of the Deadpool mythos. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah. I, I feel like we need to talk about Cable. Okay. And how they handled Cable in this movie in terms of his, like, origin and stuff. Because Cable has one of the most weird, <laughs> complex origins in, like, comics history. Yeah. I, that's saying a lot, right? Yeah. And I was, I knew that once, I knew that they were going to have Cable in this movie. I was like, I really wonder how they're going to handle that. Because there's no way that they're going to give him his normal origin. Oh, no. Like, he'll probably still be a time traveler, but he he's probably not going to be... Well, I guess we should. So, Cable in the comics is, and this was a lot of this was kind of revealed over time and like made up over time, was that he is the son of Scott Summers, Cyclops, Mm -hmm. and Madeline Pryor, who is a clone of Jean Grey. Mm -hmm. This is already getting complicated. (laughs) Um, And then he was 
uh, infected with, I think this is how it happened. He was infected with this techno organic mesh, which is where he gets the robot arm that's kind of taking over his body. Mm -hmm. And so they sent him as a child into the future with, um, with Scott and Jean. Because didn't they was, raise him in the future for a while? So like they like psychic minds raised him in the future, or something, right? If I can walk through, I'm not positive on that point. So then he's raised in the in a future where apocalypse has like taken over, and it's kind of this like dystopian future. And then he comes back in time to try and prevent apocalypse, apocalypse's reign. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all of a sudden you have oh, and he has psychic powers, right? Right, and he he. For a long time, he can't really use his psychic powers very much. His psychic powers are basically help him keep the the uh, techno organic mesh at bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most of his psychic power is spent on that all the time, twenty four seven. And he's just basically like this super badass soldier with some basic telepathic and telekinetic abilities that he can't really use because mm-hmm. he needs. And then over time, like in the Cable and Deadpool era, or a little bit before that, he becomes more and more powerful and can actually start using his psychic and telekinetic abilities, and he becomes really strong. Um, but so I, I, I knew that they were going to simplify the time travel aspect. I knew they probably weren't going to make him the son of Cyclops. Mm-hmm. I knew that they probably weren't going to use Apocalypse. And I think that the way they handled it w- was pretty good, having, that, having uh, Russell be kind of the reason that he came back. Um, but I kind of thought they would have his psychic powers, and I was surprised they didn't touch on that at all. Well, I guess that was something that I was kind of uh, questioning because I guess because a lot of times he would like have his gun somewhere, and he'd like I guess use what technology was that what he was doing? Because I thought at first his like orange shield thing. Well, not just that, but like if he had a gun that was like thrown across the room, he'd call it back to him, and hmm. it would like come floating back to him. Um, yeah, and, and so I, thought- I, I, as I'm watching that, as I'm watching like the, the orange force field shield come up, and as I'm watching the gun come back to him, I'm thinking like, is this his psychic powers? But a lot of the like just kind of auditory and visual cues mm-hmm. at those moments made it sound like, yeah, that was some sort of technology, like a big magnet on his back, kind of like Cap's shield in uh, Age of Ultron. Right. Um. Yeah, I, I kind of got the feeling that, that they weren't trying to do psychic powers. And maybe that was their way of avoiding explaining yet another thing, mm-hmm. right? And just being like, okay, Cable's a badass soldier. We're going to simplify this entire thing. And he's just got really cool-ass weapons. Yeah. <laughs> Which probably fits the movie better, to be honest. Yeah. I was just surprised that they decided to 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 change the character's power set, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he doesn't, I guess, like, technically in this movie, he doesn't really display having powers. No, and they don't even really explain what the metal arm is. Right. Like, you see that it's clearly, like, not just a, like, Winter Soldier metal arm that's, like, been tacked on. Like, it's clearly, like, integrated with his body. And we see him kind of, like, touching it in pain. But they don't explain what it is at all, which is fine. Again, like, they don't you try to explain cable you're going to spend three movies doing it um but yeah i i I don't know i just thought the whole thing was interesting that was one of the things that i was most just interested to see going in Mm -hmm. and i spent a lot of the movie trying to figure out like okay this is what they're doing with cable i guess yeah um i was kind of uh 
I don't for me personally, uh, maybe it is because I know a little bit more about cable than your average uh, moviegoer. But I don't think I would have been uh, upset or anything or or thought that it was confusing that he had telekinetic powers. I don't think they'd really needed to explain that other than he's a mutant. Um, but they would I would have just needed to show them more overtly. Yeah, because um, I, I, I mean, at this point, I don't think he was displaying telekinetic powers. I think it was all technology. They, they don't even say he's a mutant. He, they don't. Yeah, we don't even know if he is a mutant in in this canon. Right. Um, one, huh. But I am curious to see because they still are moving forward with the X Force movie. Um, I'm curious to see if they oh, do. So I actually didn't know that there's gonna be an X Force movie. Uh huh. Yeah, it's supposed to. I don't know when it starts filming, but it's supposed to come out after um, F- Dark Phoenix. Okay, and so do we know who's going to be in it? Well, I would assume like what it's, characters. I would assume it's those three: Domino, Cable, and and Deadpool. And then they'll probably bring in other people. I probably okay. I Colossus sure will stay was on it. Be in it or if they were going to split off Cable. Yeah, I believe Deadpool is. That's supposed to be like Deadpool three is X Force. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, with the whole like Disney Fox merger thing, um, I think this is kind of like the last official thing that they have on their slate. I know they keep announcing a million things <laughs> that they're going to do, but um, I think this is like officially going to happen. I forgot about the Disney Fox merger, too. I'm really bad at keeping up with all this. <laughs> There's a lot that happens. It's a lot to I just keep wait up for, with. It's all like this stuff changes so much. I just wait mm-hmm. for it to happen. And then when it happens, I'm like, oh, OK, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I also enjoyed about the movie was, and I don't remember them doing this in the first one all that often, but in this one, they referenced so many different heroes from both uh, DC and Marvel. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. When he calls Cable Thanos, uh-huh. that was, I was like, all right. Although I think the best moment was when they're in the mansion and they actually referenced characters from the Fox X-Men franchise. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's no one ever here. I think the <laughs> studio would at least like give someone a cameo, and then the door, the door <laughs> yeah. slowly, be slowly closes the door. You have some of the X Men. So yeah. great, so good. I love that he was just like riding around Professor X's um, wheelchair. <laughs> yep. Although I love. Okay, so this is also so confusing because the glimpse I got into that room made it seem like those that was like the first class group of X Men. Uh, I but think it was. Is that fra- so? I actually haven't seen Apocalypse yet. Has that franchise reached present day yet? Um, so Apocalypse took place in the eighties. That's what I thought. Yeah. And then, yeah. So we and then he also made the joke about it smelling like Patrick Stewart. Uh-huh. So it was like I don't even know what timeline <laughs> is what anymore. And then at the end, he just completely screws with it when he oh, travels yeah. back in time. Um, one of the things that, uh, a lot of people complain about with the, the newer X-Men saga, I guess, I don't know what you would call it, but, uh, one of the things to complain about is that, like, the first class took place in, what, like, the 60s, and then the, um, the one after that, what was it called? Days of Future Past was the 70s, and then Apocalypse was the 80s, and so, like, so we're just supposed to accept that these characters never age, and, like, they're going through decades, but I'm like, comics have, like, X-Men has been here since the 60s, and they haven't really aged that much. (laughs) <laughs> so let's just accept it. <laughs> they when Marvel's comics started, I think they did age people for a while. I know like they aged like Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. He started off in high school and then they had college for a while and now then he's an adult. And then they kind of stopped aging everyone once they realized that wasn't gonna work to continue mm-hmm. doing that. So they kind of froze everyone in like the like the eighties or ish. 
80s or 90s ish i think they kind of froze everyone mm -hmm. uh age which makes sense yeah kind of have yeah and then they come out with all these series of like this is what happens in the future now peter parker and mary jane have a daughter and they're running around with her that's an alternate future though almost all of those are alternate futures mm. i actually haven't read renew your vows yet i have it i haven't read it i kind of i'm kind of over a lot of the marvel comics right now to be honest mm -hmm. like i just haven't really been that into anything since uh I mean, really, since they relaunched with all new Avengers and stuff, like since Secret Wars, hmm. I really like Superior Spider-Man, and I actually enjoyed Secret Wars despite expecting not to. Uh -huh. And I thought the Miles Morales Spider-Man was all right. I mean, I'm more than all right. I liked it a decent amount, but I, I just haven't really been that into anything, so I kind of just stopped reading. Yeah, I'm still picking up a lot. <laughs> 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 I don't think... I don't know. Um i do drop a lot um i i don't know why i have this like hard time dropping books that i'm not enjoying um, i i used to yeah because i kind of just want to keep continuing i'm like but something's gonna happen right and then like often right. times it doesn't <laughs> or if it's a character that you like but you're just not liking that particular book mm -hmm. and you're like well okay but when a new writer takes over in a couple of years then i'm gonna need to know what happened you know to want to keep up or something so you keep reading anyway mm -hmm. or just out of yeah. some sense of completion like i like deadpool i gotta read all the books deadpool's in even if i don't really like this one particular book right yeah yeah i kind of feel that way especially deadpool's with... like the new wolverine he's in like 10 books he is in a lot and wolverine's coming back and he's gonna be in a million as well so uh... <laughs> i mean he already kind of is in a lot because they've got old man logan running around and he's in like yeah. four books yeah, Wolverine was just like one of those characters that always had like he was on like two X Men teams and had a solo series and was in the New Avengers and like whatever. Yeah, he was just in like everything. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, and Deadpool has kind of become that since he became popular in like mm -hmm. I don't remember what year that was like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Mm -hmm. Like a like a year or two after I started reading Deadpool stuff, he started like ramping up the popularity, and then they had him in the Wolverine Origins movie. And despite that being like a terrible depiction of Deadpool, like the people started reading Deadpool more and then the Deadpool fervor kicked up and people wanted the real movie. And then we waited eight years and it finally came. And now <laughs> Deadpool's in like a million because the movie was so successful. Yeah. Um, well, getting back to this one, I have just a few more things. Um, I want to hear your opinion because we touched a little bit about uh, the ending where Deadpool kind of goes back in time and resets everything. <laughs> So I thought that was a great gag. I thought that was like one of the best credit sequences ever. <laughs> but then at the end, I was like, wait, was that canon? Like, like when the next movie starts, is like, are, are all those things going to, like, is, is, is Vanessa back? Or you, what? Yeah, I think I read something according to the, to the director. They're like, yeah, that's canon. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah. So... I'm not super stoked on that, but I thought <laughs> that it was a good gag. And I thought him killing the old Deadpool from Wolverine Origins was hilarious. Uh -huh. And him killing the Ryan Reynolds reading the Green Lantern script was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, apparently, yeah, that's interesting. Apparently DC has asked him to return their their, their Green Lantern ring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know really if that's funny. like them joking with him or if they're being serious. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, or maybe it was WB. But I love that he steals Cable's 
time travel thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just like, that's just, and it, and it reminds me of the Cable and Deadpool comics when they like teleport together. Mm-hmm. Do you know the premise of the Cable and Deadpool comic? Well, it's an accident, right? That they're right, together. Like they, they, something happens and they start melting. Like literally Cable and Deadpool, like, oh, they're like separate. They don't like each other because they've been enemies in the past and they end up both at, you know, kind of like all team up star. Like, oh, we both appeared here. We're having to be fighting the same guy. All right, I guess we'll team up real quick. And then something happens and they like melt and they start uh-huh. melting, they start like drifting toward each other. They're like liquid bodies and they're like joking about it. And then when they melt together, once they become uh, uh, like once they return to physical form, now whenever one of them teleports, the other one teleports with them mm-hmm. because they've like merged DNA or whatever. And so they're like <laughs> basically stuck together. Like the premise of the book is that like they don't want to team up, but every time one of them teleports with their teleportation device, the other one just appears there. And, just, <laughs> and they're, they have these like two kind of like different things they're trying to do throughout the entire run of the book. And every time one of them teleports, it's just like, fuck, you're here. <laughs> and it's great. And I like, part of me would love to see like that as a premise of a Cable and Deadpool movie, but uh-huh. I don't think it would be as funny in only two hours as it is like having them grow to be a team over time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I I interrupted. We were like talking about the movie, and then I got off. No, no, no. It's fine. One of my favorite premises for an entire run of a book, like the fact that that book exists because it's like, oh, you guys melted together, and <laughs> now you're one person. I mean, that's the kind of beauty of it is that they like comic books can really go silly and go so outlandish, and you're well, just... especially Deadpool, right? Like, yeah. that's exactly the kind of crazy stuff that you can do in a Deadpool book and people are just like yeah that's great I love it let's do it yeah and and it even though that the movies don't necessarily go in that sort of direction they can do outlandish things in the like world that we that we know movies to be um and so they're always like changing up and like making fun of what we're supposed to expect right and so I really I really like that about um the Deadpool series um one of the last things I want to touch on just because it was so funny and it's kind of sweet, I guess, in the movie was the way the way Deadpool and, and um, Colossus's relationship is. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't sure if they're going to bring back Colossus, but I'm glad they did. Yeah, and they definitely took it in a direction that I didn't expect toward the end. <laughs> Like, Colossus definitely, like, lets go of his Boy Scout-ness, and I loved it. It's so funny, because Wade is such a silly person, and every time Colossus is around, he's just, like, always flirting with him. <laughs> and Colossus is just, like, taking it, like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the best things about the way they've done the dead. My favorite, the reason Cable and Deadpool is my favorite Deadpool book is that, to me, Deadpool is funny. Mm-hmm. And the Joe Kelly run is fantastic and very humorous um, and also very good. But I think Deadpool works best when he's side by side with someone else with the exact opposite demeanor. Like when it's just Deadpool being zany, it's like, okay, Deadpool zany. But when it's Deadpool side by side with Cable or side by side with Colossus, who's both of them are super, super serious. Mm-hmm. It it just brings out, it's a good, like they play off each other really well. Mm-hmm. And that's why the first movie I thought was was so good is because they didn't have cable but they had kind of like a cable stand-in with colossus right yeah 
Yeah. And so and- I, I liked that, that even though they had Cable in this movie, he was kind of the villain. They didn't really have them teaming up. They still had Colossus there kind of in that role to bounce off Wade a lot. Yeah, and, um, and it worked really well. And they did it. They um they really uh dove it do- dived into it. <laughs> they, they they really dove into it. Uh, yeah, uh, it felt like it matured from the first movie. Like it like the relationship still progressed. Yeah, and, it was just like the same kind of shtick over uh-huh. and over. Yeah, and I like that at the end, Colossus comes to like save him and like cradles him in his arms. <laughs> Yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. but um, what are you what are you looking forward to? You just found out that they're making an X-Force film. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like not up on this stuff, especially because I keep up. I'm not a huge X-Men fan, Mm -hmm. especially as evidenced by the fact that I still haven't even seen Apocalypse. (laughs) It's okay. um, You don't have to. I I know that's kind of what I've heard. I um, I but I'm really, really into the MCU stuff. So at this point, like. I'm, I mean, I'm pumped for Captain Marvel and Ant-Man and the Wasp is probably going to be good, but oh God, I just want Avengers 4 now. Oh, of course. <laughs> no, like next, is it next year that it's coming out though? Yeah. So yeah, next year with Game of Thrones season eight and Avengers 4, it's just going to be like the culmination of all my movie and TV <laughs> watching over the past like five to seven years is finally going to come to a head and I'm just going to be so, it's just going to have this like, release of it finally all being over and all the things that i've waited for will happen and then i'll just be sad because it's over i know it's it's gonna be very interesting to see if the mcu can like keep up what they've done up yeah, until that I'll be, point. I mean, I'm really interested to see how they're going to handle it after Avengers 4, like especially since I'm sure a lot of actors will leave the mm-hmm. franchise. So it, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I am excited for hopefully continued Spider-Man movies, though, with Tom Holland. Uh-huh. Yeah. Although we we were, we were talking about this on Facebook, right? Like mm-hmm. that's supposed to come out like a month after Avengers 4 or well, something? Supposedly, what I read was two that months? it was coming out two months after Avengers 4, which is, is that insane. The, is that the official release date i don't know and i should have looked it up so i i kind of have a feeling that we were having this conversation i was like something here is not right like uh-huh. it, they, there's no way these are coming out two months apart especially given everything that happened in infinity war like they have to be spreading these out more yeah um because i know captain marvel comes out like january next year or something and Avengers 4, I would assume, is going to be like a summer movie or maybe right before the summer. And I feel like they should just leave it at that until 2020. No, they usually do like they three do three, movies a year, though, don't they? But I feel like even though I know I'm going to want more, I feel like I'm like I need to like settle with the ending of phase three and then just yeah. have like the next year start with phase four. You're probably right. But I, I kind of feel like Spider-Man is one of those franchises that can kind of exist outside the phases and kind of on the fringes of the MCU, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. Infinity War is an exception because it has everyone in it. Right. But, you know, Spider-Man is a bit more of a street-level hero. And mm-hmm. in the first movie, they, they deal with this a lot in Homecoming. I mean, they deal with this a lot where he's kind of like, he chooses to kind of stay on the fringes of the MCU. Mm-hmm. And so, in theory... Spider-Man should not have much effect on what happens with the other phases. Right. So I can I can let myself settle after Avengers 4, but still have a Spider-Man movie because it's almost like it's going to be a separate franchise. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I sense. hope it doesn't become so such a separate franchise that Sony takes it back over. Mm-hmm. But just that it 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 
does what the comics do, where Spider-Man occasionally meets up with the other heroes, but mostly is kind of in his own little corner of of the universe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I, I'm very curious to see what they do with him because he is such a um a loved character at this point uh with the movies that I I see that they're going to probably make um Black Panther kind of take the Iron Man um Captain America role that has been set um throughout phase 1, 2 and 3. I kind of see him being that kind of like leader role or if not probably Captain Marvel since she's coming in. Um but I also kind of see how they could possibly even make Peter one of those roles of like kind of like the leader of not necessarily the leader of the group but kind of like the 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 piece that puts everything together. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm just talking maybe. about my ass. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I think they want to keep Spider-Man young mm-hmm. for a while, and I think that that would probably impede that. Mm. If they want to keep him kind of like in high school and college over the course of several movies, rather than going through it all in the first movie, like they did with uh, the Maguire series, mm. uh, or the Raimi series, I should say. Right. I I think that that's unlikely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he's going to take on any sort. I mean, he might still be like, I don't know. Spider-Man has always been kind of the flagship hero, even though he's not like the leader of anything. In the same way that like Wolverine became the most popular X-Man, but Cyclops was the leader of the group. Right. You know, those are two kind of different roles. And I think those are the, you know, there's going to be a leader of the Avengers and there's going to be Spider-Man who is still like kind of the flagship Marvel superhero. Yeah, I guess like, and it's always it, it kind of goes back to just like the way I feel. Uh, is typically the case with with stuff in 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 movies. Um, I feel like Marvel definitely has a hand, a, a very firm and steady hand on on what they're creating. They know what they want, and I I I know that they're they're like super smart in what they're doing. So I don't think that they would actually do that. I'm just like, there's a part of my brain that's like still like that average moviegoer who's like. Oh, everyone loves Spider-Man. They're going to make him the focus from now on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think what's interesting, the other interesting thing is that, and we're not even close to talking about Deadpool anymore. <laughs> um, I think one of the reasons that the current Avengers lineup has worked so well is that um, you don't, you not only have characters that, that people like, but a lot of these characters aren't ones that, people really knew and loved mm-hmm. and grew up with the same way that they did with like Spider-Man, like Captain America and Iron Man, like people kind of knew them maybe, but like what really made those so successful and attracted people to them at the beginning, I think not just, not just the fact that the movies were great, but that they had really good actors behind them mm-hmm. that people kind of knew. I mean, like Robert Downey Jr. has kind of become Iron Man, right? Like he's a brand of his own. And, um, and, and to a lesser extent, Chris Evans, um, and Chris Hemsworth have kind of become that for their characters too. And I think that they're going to need actors that can carry the franchise. Yeah. In the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure who those are going to be. Yeah. If, you know, I'm not sure if Chadwick Boseman is going to be able to take that. On. I mean, Black Panther was so wildly successful that um, he may kind of become the new, like Robert Downey Jr. of the Avengers franchise, right? Like people love Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they need to introduce 
a new hero or maybe in addition they need to introduce a new hero with a really big name behind it to get people excited mm-hmm. uh, if it's not going to be a hero that they're attached to then right. maybe it needs to be an act there needs to be an actor that people are attached to yeah yeah i, I don't know it's I, a random thought no I, I i i definitely see your point and i can i can agree with that and i i i um i don't really know much about brie larson she is she mostly has done indie stuff like okay. after being cast in um a uh, captain marvel i don't know if it came before or after but she did kong um skull island and so that was one of her like first big major films i mean she also okay. did uh uh scott pilgrim versus the world in a small role who was she oh yeah she was the right. ex-girlfriend who was, who was in who was with the vegan right 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 the um the singer yes okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she's done a lot of really good things. She was on United States of Terra, and she was in Room. She got an Oscar for that. So, like, she's really good, Um, but I don't think people know her as well because she's done these more indie things, and now, she, you know, yeah. she's good. to That's be kind of my worry, there. is that, like, obviously we have really good people mm-hmm. in the franchise. I mean, Chadwick Boseman is, like, awesome. Um, I'm just not sure if in order to get the same kind of traction that the original Avengers did, if they're going to need a big kind of a bigger name behind it or someone with like so much just oozing so much personality <laughs> that it hooks people in immediately the way Robert Downey Jr. did. Mm-hmm. And I um, don't think that they would necessarily have anything to worry about. I feel like MCU is so established at this point and it's, and we're going to have characters that are bleeding over. But it's going to be a little bit, dis- it's going to be kind of disassembled, right? To use an Avengers term. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I assume that most of the big actors are going to leave that like the MCU is established, but it's almost going to be like a new MCU Mm -hmm. without a lot of those people. But I feel like they've introduced enough people. And and I think we're still going to see black widow continue on. We're going to have Ant-Man and stuff. So I feel like, huh? No, I was was just agreeing. Yeah. We still have some people who are going to be around for a little while. Yeah, I feel like we have enough people that are going to bleed over into the next phase that it's not going to be too worrisome and by the time that they leave everyone's going to be used to the people who came in phase two and phase three yeah maybe i I I think it'll be fine (laughs) i guess we'll see but (laughs) until then i'm just so pumped for avengers 4 of course the original question that's the thing that i'm waiting for (laughs) avengers 4 and game of thrones season 8 okay (laughs) Well, everything else is just crap that I'm watching in the meantime while I wait for those things to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I feel like it's appropriate that we uh, we we ignored Deadpool for the last half of this. (laughs) 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 Uh, Thank you so much for uh, for for reviewing the movie with me and talking. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I know that you're working on everything right now, but uh, I am. If, I'm everywhere. If if people want to follow you, where can they uh, find you? I would just follow me on Twitter. I'm at Whitson Gordon. Okay. And I'm writing for everywhere. You can find me in the New York Times, Popular Science, PC Mag, and IGN.com right now. Ooh, that's very fancy of you. <laughs> I feel fancy. <laughs> Thank you, Whitson. No problem. Thanks, Richard. Yay, that was Witson Gordon. He's a lovely man. 
Um, okay, well, thank you, Whitson, for being on the show. And uh, that was that was our review. Um, let me know what you guys thought about the movie. Uh, it, it I feel like comedies are hard to review because it's like, how do you review something when it's all jokes and you want to talk about everything? But I, I feel like we did an okay job. <laughs> um, there was a, there were a lot of uh, moments in the film to definitely talk about, which I, I think we did. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, like I mentioned in the, in the, in the review, um, right before the review, my recommendation this week for you all is Shit's Creek. You heard what I said about it. It's fucking amazing. It's such a good fucking show. I, I, I just need everyone to see it. It's so funny. And I feel like the humor isn't really for everyone uh, because I feel like it's almost a bit British uh, in a way, but not. I don't know. It just, the timing of the jokes and everything is so good. And um, I'm not sure if it's still the case, but uh, the show supposedly is all, nothing is improv. It's all just like they read the script and they, and they, their lines are straight from the script and that's what they do. Um, and so if, if that still is the case, it's fucking brilliant and I love it. Um, so yeah, check out Shit's Creek. You can catch the first three seasons on Netflix right now. Uh, season four just ended a few weeks ago, I think. And I bought that on Amazon cause I couldn't wait. So, uh, yeah, I think it's on pop TV now. Uh, so if you got pop TV, do they have an app or, or a streaming anything? I don't know. Uh, I don't have any information ever. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, let me know you guys think about anything that I talked about here. Uh, remember, you can always catch the uh, podcast on... What am I talking about? Follow us on Twitter at InterviewANerd. If you want to follow me, I'm at LeRichardC. Um, you can also email me at Richard at AwkwardHuman.com. Uh, that's the network. It's Awkward Human. Um if you have anything you want to say, any comments or anything like that, if you want me to read anything on the air, on the air, if you want me to read anything on the podcast, or if you want uh, to just make a comment or anything, let me know. Um, you can email me there. You can always go to the website. There's a contact page there as well. And if you want to see anything else that Whitson is uh, doing, I have his information in the guest page there. And uh, you can use that guest page also to see uh, the other episodes that Whitson's been on. He did uh do a deadpool episode where he talked all about the comics version of deadpool and then he was also on my uh spider-man panel with uh, john bring and topher harless so yeah check those out as well if you have not um that's gonna be it for me this week thank you guys so much for listening remember to stay kind to one another be safe and i'll see you next time <laughs>